good day. I'm your host, Scott Jordan, and it's time to set the water to boil. This is Tea Talk Asia. This week, we're back in the Asian World Center and are privileged to have with us a coordinator with the Japanese Outreach Initiative, positioned with the Asian World Center at Creighton, Mr. Tadashi Nomura, who will speak about international financial crises. But first, while we let our tea steep, we'll begin the show as we begin all shows by turning our eye to the east with a look at Asia in the headlines for the week of March 23rd, 2015. We begin with Monday's news of the passing on of the man considered Singapore's founding father, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew. This week has marked a period of mourning for the people of Singapore over Mr. Lee's death. Lee served as Prime Minister of Singapore for 31 years starting in 1959. He is responsible for both the economic success of the state and many of its strict law structures. Lee's funeral will take place on Sunday, and until then his body is open for viewing at Singapore's parliament. In China this week, President Xi Jinping has launched a new project named Skynet, the latest innovation in his anti-corruption campaign. Skynet will coordinate offshore bank accounts and monitor money transfers, making it harder and harder to keep financial information from the state government in Beijing. Xi declares an end to corruption in China for both the tigers and flies, be that high- or low-ranking members of society. This has already shown dramatic changes in the economic culture of China as several wealthy citizens have fled to foreign countries, including the U.S., to avoid prosecution. In Tokyo, Japan's Maritime Self-Defense Force has received its largest warship since World War II. The ship, the Izumo, is a 813-foot-long helicopter carrier that is portered at Yokosuka Naval Base. The vessel is capable of carrying 470 sailors and was specially designed for the Bell Boeing V-22 Osprey Tiltrotter aircraft, which is a sort of hybrid between an airplane and a helicopter. The vessel was specially designed to remain legal within Japan's constitutional ban on offensive military capabilities. This is the latest in the building up of Japan's military presence by Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Tensions are on the rise in the Korean Peninsula as Seoul is urging Pyongyang to release two South Korean citizens that were detained last week under charges of espionage. These two men added to the growing toll of southern citizens detained in the north. Lastly, in Switzerland, crucial P5 plus 1 talks are underway on the topic of Iran's nuclear program. The permanent members of the UN are working on a deadline next week in order to make a deal with Tehran. Iran hopes to end the economic sanctions imposed on it while looking towards a safe future in nuclear energy for the country. We'll have more on the story in coming weeks. That was a look at Asia in the headlines for this week. And before we begin our discussion with Mr. Namora, a few words from the Asian World Center. Hello, listeners. This week we have a very special event. On Wednesday, April 1st, at the Scott Student Center on Creighton University's campus, the second annual East-West Business Forum will take place. This year, Dr. Ernie Goss with the Hyder College of Business and Mr. Tadashi Namora of the Japanese Outreach Initiative will speak on the 97 Japanese and 08 U.S. financial crises. A panel will then discuss the nature of financial crises and look to prevent future global economic woes. The East-West Business Forum begins at 4 p.m. in the Scott Student Center Ballroom. 
A reception will follow this event. We hope to see you there. Today we have the rare pleasure to speak with Mr. Tadashi Nomura, a native of Japan who is residing here for a two-year period with the Japanese Outreach Initiative. Mr. Nomura has over 30 years of experience working in Japanese banking and has first-hand experience with Japan's rise and subsequent economic fall. Mr. Nomura began working for the Bank of Tokyo right after his graduation from Hitotsubashi University with a BS in economics. During his time with the Bank of Tokyo, now the Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi, he has experienced mergers worked in finance and held other investment banking opportunities. He has traveled to India, Indonesia, and even spent time in the U.S. prior to his working with the Asian World Center. Currently, Mr. Nomura is in Omaha with the Japanese Outreach Initiative, working with schools in Nebraska to spread the Japanese culture and language education. This Wednesday, he will be one of the presenters for the second annual East-West Business Forum, and today he will give us a brief preview of what's ahead. Mr. Nomura, thank you for joining us here today. Um, after talking with you briefly before this, it sounds like the best place to start talking about the Japanese financial crisis is actually, let's start with kind of the pre-war period. So could you tell us a little bit about the Japanese economy after World War II? Yes. As you might uh, know, after uh, World War II, Japan achieved a dramatic economic recovery through 1973 with the uh, average annual growth rate uh, about uh, 9%, and some years exceeded uh, 10% during that time. So during, even after that time, trade surplus of Japan continued to increase during the period of such rapid growth. As the economy uh, suffered, there were two major oil crises. One was from 73 to 74, and the second was the uh, 80, uh, 78 to 79. And this oil crisis caused the high inflation and slow economy on a global basis. Mm -hmm. how, how did they recover from the oil crisis then? I think that the uh, consumption of oils uh, was very much controlled, I guess. And in Japan, oil crisis did affect the economy, but uh, could absorb by stimulating the economy, overcoming uh, the uh, oil crisis. And especially for Japan, uh, during 1980s, the high-quality electric appliances and the fuel-efficient automobiles from Japan sold so well in the United States. Obviously, uh, that led to the uh, critical trade friction with the United States uh, during that time. So what was it like kind of being a businessman during this period of kind of the yen was rising, we just get through the oil crises were in the 1980s? During uh, going uh, upwards of economy in Japan, Japanese market had the abundance of cash flow in the marketplace during the bubble era. Mm -hmm. And utilizing those uh, sufficient cash flow, major corporations, uh, perhaps individuals, tried to purchase foreign assets, uh, particularly in the United States. You had talked about an interesting dynamic between the U.S. dollar and the yen in this period. What was happening to the U.S. dollar that really provided opportunity for the yen? Let me just uh, go back a little bit sure. uh, about the, how the, uh, the drastic change made to the economy in Japan. The trigger of the uh, bubble, so-called bubble, in Japan uh, was the uh, 
Prada Accord, which was announced on September 22, 1985. This uh, Prada Accord was announced to, uh, to, uh, to change the situation of the U.S. economy. Uh, G5 nations met at Plaza Hotel in New York to discuss how to overturn the change the situation of the U.S. economy. As a result, the uh, G5 nations agreed to intervene the, uh, the currency market uh, jointly, which drastically changed uh, the uh, U.S. dollar-yen value situation. So how was the... What, how was the yen affected by the U.S. dollar? So the U.S. dollar was dropping, right, and then the Plaza Accords. How did the Plaza Accords lead to an increase in the Japanese economy? Uh, right after the Plaza Accord, the value of the yen got very strong. So Japan could not lo- no longer enjoy the weak Japanese yen exchange rate to, do the, to increase the export businesses. In order to mitigate the situation, Japanese government lowered the interest rate and tried to stimulate uh, domestic consumptions, and which s- supplied more cash to the financial market in Japan. Right. So because of that, particularly the banking sectors increased their uh, real estate lending right. to, uh, to the corporate as well as the individuals which eventually uh, led to the increase of real estate and the stock prices. And this is where we began entering what's called the, the bubble bu- economy. That's correct. Right. So can you explain a little bit, what, what does it mean to have a bubble economy? Talking about my experience during the bubble, the bubble economy uh, said to be in the period of 86 to 91 in Japan. Uh, during that time, I was in Tokyo. And then I was also trying to buy a house. And... <laughs> It was a very incredible time. The price of the houses were going up like every day. Hmm. And so it was like almost felt like impossible to buy a house because the price of the house increased like a triple over the time of the, uh, the bubble. Oh, wow. And a single house priced like a million dollars in dollar value. Uh, and the, the house is like uh, about two hours commuting time from center of Tokyo. Right. So it was an incredible time that uh, people were just uh, rushing to buy a house and then without uh, considering whether the people could afford mm-hmm. uh, for such price. So what contributes to this bubble, in the, especially in the rising of that house prices and things like that? Whenever you, the, the property is available, Japanese people like to buy a property mm-hmm. because there is a tradition that the value of the land never, never diminishes in Japan. Oh, okay. Because uh, Japan is a relatively small country, and so people felt that the value of the land would never diminishes. Right. But, of course, it turned out to be wrong eventually. Right. But the, uh, until the bubble economy... And during the bubble economy especially, people felt that is still the case. Mm-hmm. So people continue uh, rush to buy a property using right. easy, cheap money. Right, I see. So how did the bubble collapse? How did we get to 1997? Yeah, well, uh, actually uh, the bubble 
started to collapse in 1991 mm. when the government tried to overturn the situation by increasing the interest rate drastically and also uh, tried to control real estate lending of the banks. Mm -hmm. So interest rates goes up and then uh, banks uh, not, cannot lend the loans anymore to the uh, real estate transactions. Then people were stopped buying mm -hmm. properties. They cannot finance it. And right. so people stopped buying it. And, and so the value of the land would never go up because the market uh, slowed down. So all of a sudden, the price of the real estate uh, dropped sharply after 91 mm -hmm. and continued to drop throughout after the 97, uh, 98 uh, period. Uh, many of the, uh, the companies and as well as the individuals purchased all these properties uh, by bank loan. Mm -hmm. And because the collapse of the bubble, the value of the land dropped, and therefore the, uh, the collateral pledged against the loan would, would not support the value of the loan. Right. And therefore, the people cannot afford to pay back the loan. And also, the economy is slowing down. The people's wages are not going up. So many of the uh, individuals as a and the companies could not repaid the loan, mm -hmm. and which obviously led to the uh, what was called non-performing loans of the banks, which made the banks in a very critical situations. Huh. 1997 through 98, the uh, banks had a piles of non-performing loans on the, on the balance sheet. And now the banks were in a severe situation on the verge of bankruptcy. Right. And I hate to kind of pause the story at kind of the worst part. So how does this, I guess, relate to the United States financial crisis that happens in 08? Yeah, it, I understand that the housing bubble in the United States started after almost like 15 years later, the Japanese bubble busted. Mm -hmm. I think it started like in 2003. So right after the, uh, the bubble in Japan collapsed, the uh, housing bubble started in, in in the United States. To my understanding, the United States bubble started as a housing mm -hmm. uh, bubble. In Japan, um, more like started with the commercial properties in Japan. That is a uh, differences, but both related to the real estate uh, transactions. Right. Uh, and both created, started by the banking sectors. Right, poor, uh, poor loan choices and yes. regulations. Uh, yes, and uh, the banks were, were competing each other on mm -hmm. a global basis, and therefore the banks required additional revenue sources, and this uh, bubble, uh, the housing bubble, was the uh, uh, was a way to generate the uh, revenues for the banks. So. I guess looking at both the, the United States financial crisis, the Japanese financial crisis, um, perhaps you could talk about what the Japanese government did in efforts to recover from its nasty um, crisis. And also, how do we look ahead from here? What, how do we deal with financial crisis? How do we try and prevent them? The highest priority to, to solve the situation was to get rid of the non-performing loans that piled up in the bank. 
to get rid of those non-performing loans out of the balance sheet of the bank. So the government decided to infuse, uh, uh, put the additional capital to the banks, uh, which uh, critically uh, suffered, uh, to revitalize the banks. So uh, government supplied capital to the banks to uh, rescue those, those financial institutions. But some financial institutions were so critical that they need to merge, merge with other banks or entirely liquidated. Mm -hmm. And so 97, 97 and 98 was, was in a situation like a financial crisis for the financial institutions. And that's the, uh, I think that worked uh, for Japan. Uh, and Japan never did such a capital infusion to the banks in the past. It took a little longer, but uh, Japanese banks could revitalize I its activities, which in turn made the economy to the normal situation. Right. How, how do we how, how do we look ahead down the road? How you know how much how in trouble are we? I suppose right. Is there really a pending global economic crisis coming? And and what what would you recommend that we look out for in the future? I'm uh, I'm not uh, so much informed about the U.S. situation. But the situation in Japan is somewhat unique. And uh, you might say that Japan is undergoing a long recession even today. And so people say like uh, two decades recessions. <laughs> and uh, reality is the, uh, the GDP of Japan today is 1.5%, which is relatively low. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, the biggest uh, challenges that Japan is facing today is to how to cope with a matured society with highly aged population. Mm -hmm. um, so based on this environment in Japan, Japan needs to seek something, entirely new concept of uh, measures to stimulate the economy. Japan needs to come up uh, with the new actions of economic policy uh, to uh, to normalize the uh, economy uh, today based on the slow economy and aging populations. Mm -hmm. uh, United States uh, could be the different situation. Right. Together, I myself also uh, very much interested to uh, to listen to the uh, uh, the opinions uh, of the people in the United States. Yeah. Well, luckily, we'll get that opportunity here on Wednesday. So we look forward to your talk, and thank you for taking time out to speak with us today. Thank you. 100 years ago, economics was the reward of conflict for everyday life. Today, economics has the role of weapon and peacekeeper in conflict. The ever more globalized world has turned this human practice into a true game changer. The economics of each region existed in vacuums. A plunder on one end of the earth simply redistributed the wealth in that area. Economic woes today can spell doom for everyone else. The interconnectivity of the globe, the rise of international trade, and the concept of foreign investment have raised the stakes on what is fundamentally human nature. Economics has a sociological aspect, for it is a record of the habits humans share in their intersubjective correspondences. Economics is also a science in that observation, 
mixed with experimentation, can provide clues that make predictions a possibility. There is a failure to recognize both views of economics, and this is allowed for the rules it provides to lead to cataclysmic outcomes. It is hard as human beings not only to look out to the distant future, but to look out beyond one's own worldview. International sanctions, tariffs, embargoes, rich-poor gaps, recessions, depressions, and bubbles are terms that cannot be avoided, and their impact will be felt by all in this new global community. The power behind these practices, and the power over each and every one of our decisions, is too easily overlooked. A better understanding of the world around us will provide for our mutual benefit and the hope of progress. Economics mustn't be used as a tool to control, but as a mode of learning that will allow for well-overdue lessons learned and provide a navigational map towards a better tomorrow. On Wednesday, Mr. Nomura and Dr. Goss will tell us about the economic crises in Japan and the U.S. and look towards similar trends that can help us move beyond making the same old mistakes. This event starts at 4 p.m. on April 1st in the Scott Student Center Ballroom at Creighton University. I hope to see you there. That is all the time we have for you this week. As always, we love to hear what you have to say, so please send your opinions to AWC at creighton.edu. We look forward to hearing from you. For more information on the Asian World Center or for more episodes of Tea Talk Asia, please visit www.creighton.edu slash Asia. From all of us here at the Asian World Center, we wish you a most happy today and an even better tomorrow. This has been Tea Talk Asia, looking east from west. I'm Scott Jordan. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.